When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello, everyone. This is Represent, and I'm Aisha Harris. And it's 2016, the end of 2016. <laughs> Hallelujah. 20 fucking 16. And to celebrate the end of 2016, this glorious year that brought upon us so many lovely, wonderful things, I'm excited to let you guys know that we have some friends in the house today. Um, in the Brooklyn studio, there are four of us. We have Alex Jung from New York Mag. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And then Antonia Sarahito, who is a producer at Latino USA. I'm sure you all remember her. Hi, Aisha. I'm so happy to be here. And Tiffany Vasquez is here, <laughs> who is the Saturday daytime host of TCM. Coolest job in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm so happy to have you guys in here today to talk about all the, as much of the stuff. There's so much we will obviously not be able to touch on everything, but we're going to cover representation in 2016. And we'll just... Uh, all of it. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> <laughs> so for our last show of the year, we are going to mix things up a little bit. And we've got a quiz to start it off with. Oh. <laughs> Pop quiz. Yes, yes. Mom. So this is actually a Delta quiz. And for the second segment, we will each talk about three moments in representation that we really loved or appreciated. And finally, we will bid farewell to 2016 by making our hopes and or predictions for 2017. So, yeah, we'll jump into it. All of this is going to be things that were not so great about representation this year. Um, I know it's kind of depressing, right? Mm. Um, <laughs> well, it's been a depressing year. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I figured that was it was fitting. It'll it'll work nicely and send us off right into 2017 and know what we need to look out for in the coming year. So let's see. I will just start with Alex. OK. First. All and right. We'll go one by one. Uh, so first question. Which lesser sibling of a much more famous actor caused a stir when it was revealed that they were cast as Michael Jackson in a made-for-TV movie? Joseph Fiennes. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Nailed it. Yes. I did not know Wait, that one. Wait, you, you ma- Antonio Mav. Mav- okay, I got it. So I thought Michael Shannon for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I need to see that, Wait, though, Michael now. Wait, Michael Shannon has a, has, has a more famous sibling? No. <laughs> Shit. You know what I just realized is I didn't read the multiple choice. I forgot to say that this is multiple choice. Oh, but, but I got <laughs> See, he but just I nailed it, it anyway. without multiple choice. That's yeah. awesome. So the reason why this was problematic 
to say the least, is the fact that Joseph Fine is a white man. (laughs) And Michael Jackson, as we all know, despite all the many transformations he went through, was always a black man, uh, was born one, and he maintained that he was throughout his life, even Mm -hmm. when he looked like really like no one else that we've ever seen ever before. Sure. He was always very proud of his, his heritage. Last week, I went to go see Zadie Smith talk, and she talked about how she was horrified as a child watching like her hero go through this weird thing, and she was like, it wasn't when he bleached his skin, it was when he did that weird thing to his nose, and everyone mm. was like, you look so much better, Michael. And she said that like she was horrified seeing people support him like already start to like disfigure his body. Yeah. Right. And speaking of Zadie Smith, actually, so she the mo- the TV movie for a little bit of background is supposed to be this weird movie about a do- something that may or may not have happened. It probably didn't happen. It's set on the day of 9-11 and it's Michael Jackson, um, Marlon Brando and Elizabeth Taylor were like all in a limo together. They're taking a road trip. They're taking a road trip yeah. to get out of the city on yeah. 9-11. Wait, is this real? <laughs> Someone claims it is, but it's probably not real. But Zadie Smith actually like wrote a fictionalized account of that in the New Yorker last year. Oh, that's hilarious. So oh. apparently this is what the TV movie is going to be about. So that's the first Delta. I'm going to do it the correct way for this next one, <laughs> Antonia. After tweeting that he felt, quote unquote, inspired while watching an award show, a random tweeter came for Justin Timberlake, asking him if he would finally stop, quote, appropriating black culture and apologize to Janet Jackson for hashtag Nipplegate. <laughs> Timberlake's response was not good. He, he responded in a very condescending fashion. He was like, oh, you sweet soul. The more you realize that we are the same, the more we can have a conversation. Bye. And uh, so who or what award show moment was Timberlake inspired by in the first place? A, Beyonce and Kendrick Lamar's performance of Freedom at the BET Awards. B, Kendrick Lamar's fiery performance of All Right at the Grammys. C, Jesse Williams' acceptance speech for the Humanitarian Award at the BET Awards, or D, Rihanna's acceptance of the Rockstar Award at the Black Girls Rock Ceremony. Does everyone know this? Yeah. (laughs) I think I know what it is. I think it's C. That's correct. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) He was, in fact, inspired by Jesse Williams' acceptance speech. Um, As we all remember, he became, like, the ultimate woke bay Mm. (laughs) earlier this year when he went off on this very long, beautifully, and very passionate speech about Black Lives Matter. He talked about why white people need to, like, wake, wake up and do better. And let's get, let's get a couple things straight. Just a little side note. The burden of the brutalized is not to comfort the bystander. That's not our job. All right, stop with all that. If you have a critique for the resistance, for our resistance, then you better have an established record of critique of our oppression. If you have no interest, if you have no interest in equal rights for black people, then do not make suggestions to those who do. Sit down. So, Verlin here from the other side of the studio wall. What did y'all think about the tweet from Justin Timberlake when you saw it or heard about it? I don't care about her. You don't, about her? Justin Who? Timberlake. Oh. Oh. I don't know her. I don't exactly. know her. Yes, to quote Mariah. I will say, I like. I went to Justin Timberlake concert and it was like a, an amazing experience. So did I. Oh, he's sure. like 10 years ago. Oh, yes. He's really talented. Oh, totally. Very talented. I just don't. I don't know why some people need to think 
or, or think that they need to put their opinion out there after someone already said the words. Yeah. Like it's been yeah. said and it was done right. So you don't need to add to the conversation and and then change the meaning of it. You can simply just say, thank you, Jesse Williams, and then you would have been done right. with it. Or yeah. just not tweet. Yeah, you could do that too. <laughs> totally an option. Had, he's had a hard year on social media. There was that picture of him and his wife with Hillary Clinton. Do you remember that? I, know, I don't remember that. This. Like, it's like a photo booth image where like the three of them look like they're all like cuddling. <laughs> I it's never a, saw that. It's such a weird picture. And then he took the picture of himself voting. He's just like... <laughs> Should oh, probably right. quit the socials <laughs> right. at this yeah. point. Yeah. Anyway. Yay. So everyone so far has one point each. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> going to change that right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this one might be a little tricky. Please but... ask a Lauren Bacall a question, please. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Lauren Bacall will not be found oh, here. I love her. So Tiffany. Yeah. <laughs> who said this? Quote, I watched the trailer a number of times to understand the criticism. And ultimately, where I came down is if people watch the movie and still believe there's whitewashing involved in it, then I will listen to it with my whole heart. And I will think about that and I will try to learn from it. A, Matt Damon, star of the upcoming action hero movie set in China, The Great Wall. B, Tilda Swinton, who played Doctor Strange's mentor, The Ancient One, in Marvel's Doctor Strange. C, Scarlett Johansson, star of the upcoming adaptation of the manga comic Ghost in the Shell. Or D, Alex Proyas, director of Gods of Egypt, starring lots of white people, including (laughs) Gerard Butler and Jeffrey Rush. Oh, I have no idea because it could be any of them. Um, I'm going to guess and say D. It is not. Okay. I'm is sorry. it Scarlet? <laughs> no. no, it's Matt Damon. It's oh, Matt it is. Who is Matt Damon? I, see, okay, so when, when you first were reading the quote, I thought you were going to quote what he, um, the other thing that he said. Oh. Diversity is in front of the camera, not behind the camera. That was from so, last year. Yeah, that, oh, some, that was from last year. He's had some bad He's had years. some, yeah. He's Which had is some, also like, you should put that quote next to his, all of this stuff. Yeah. Because you're just like, you're contradicting yourself, buddy. I had so I had Matt Damon in my mind when you started reading, and then I was like, "Oh, it can't be him again." <laughs> but why did I think it couldn't be him again? I don't oh, know why. The Matt Damon thing actually broke my heart into a million pieces because he's married to an Argentine woman. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, and me and my mom have like loved him for so many years, and so it's been. 2016 <laughs> goes to show you that marrying someone outside of your ethnicity or race does not necessarily mean that you are not. Not that he's racist, but doesn't mean that you are not ignorant. He's kind and of that's an what asshole, is. though. Yeah, he's he's shown himself to be kind of a dick. Yeah. Even even the the context of that quote, I remember he was being really kind of rude about it. Oh, there he, he said a lot about it. Yeah, I just cut did. like right. a little That actually bit. makes him sound kind of okay. Yeah. This <laughs> is this this came at the end of a very long, like lots of caveating right. before. Right. Yeah. Well, it's okay, Tiffany. There, I, I promise you these other questions can also be tricky for these okay. guys. So. <laughs> uh, so, Alex, back to you. Yeah. A report released this year by Professor Stacey L. Smith and the Media Diversity and Social Change Initiative at USC calculated that what paltry percentage of all speaking roles found in the top 100 films of the box office for 2015 were female? A, 24.4. B, 40.2. Point seven, C twenty nine point three, or D thirty one point four. Jeez, <laughs> those are so. Close. This is hard. <laughs> yeah, that's, 
I tried to throw some hard ones in here. I have I, I have no idea. I'm gonna guess it's the lowest twenty four point four. Wow. It you know, thankfully it's not. Okay. Great. <laughs> I yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. It's actually and I know this is really hard, but I, I need to throw that in there. Uh thirty one point four percent. Okay. That's still Which is really still shitty. Freaking low. Yeah, oh yeah, no, that's pretty absurd. terrible. I just love how none of the choices are above fifty percent. Like yeah. it right. wasn't even an option. Oh right. <laughs> well, because that one you definitely know would be wrong, right? Right. right. Just like that's not correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. It, we need to do better. I, I'll be curious and to see also, what... also, I'm really glad you were never a professor I had. Just <laughs> mentioning that right now. <laughs> I know. That would be the meanest multiple choice quiz. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I wanted to make it Were difficult. you, like, no, gleefully no, it's, writing it's these good. earlier? I knew the other one, so I don't feel so bad. Yeah. You know? I, I, I slaved over this. It took me a long time to come up with these questions. <laughs> okay. Antonia. <laughs> Which of the following is not a real comment that appeared beneath the original trailer for the all-female Ghostbusters remake? Oh, oh, God. Return of Ghostbusters. Okay. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, let's bring it back because you were our first guest. <laughs> yeah. And oh, we yeah. talked about Ghostbusters. And I hate ghosts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, these women busted them. That's so. true. That's true. Good point. So, first uh, option. A, ghost tampons and retaining phantom water. Attack of the cellulite ghoul. <laughs> B, this is why nobody likes feminists. C, this ain't Ghostbusters. It's the Vagina Brigade. Oh, my God. Or D, ain't no bitches gonna hunt no ghosts. And remember, which one of these is not a real comment? I literally don't know. <laughs> that appeared. Did you, like, and you wrote one of these. Okay. Um, can you remind me of C? Uh, this ain't Ghostbusters. It's the Vagina Brigade. And A? <laughs> Ghost tampons and retaining phantom water. Attack of the cellulite ghoul. Here's the thing. I like. I don't believe that you would write that sentence. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm weirdly like remembering the term vagina brigade. So I'm like, which? It's either A or C. I feel like. Okay, A. It's actually D. Ain't no bitches gonna hunt no ghosts. <laughs> Because that is actually a line in Ghostbusters. That's why. I got it. Oh, 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 oh! Yes, clever. You clever. me. It was tricky. But what that, was, sorry, what was A again? Um, <laughs> ghost tampons and retaining phantom water. Attack of the cellulite ghoul. Yeah, that was an actual comment that someone left on the it's YouTube. Like a beautiful haiku. <sighs> yes, isn't it? But any to tie it in to why this is all Delta, all the gamer boy, like the. Gamer boys and the bros and everyone who was upset about their childhood being ruined. The comments were just ridiculous. Like, I found numerous YouTube videos that were just videos of comments that people left. Hateful comments. Like, right. that's how pervasive it was. Yeah. And all because it was all women. Yeah. And yeah. then, of course, it then, like, perp- like perpetuated all the events that would lead up to everything Leslie Jones has had to right. endure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh Leslie, she had a terrible year, but then she also had an awesome year. So mm-hmm. I'm like happy for her. She right. rose above it like a mm-hmm. glorious exactly. phoenix from the ashes. Yes. I'm super proud of her. She's an example to us all. Yes. So uh, we have now have one, one, <laughs> zero. <laughs> but it's okay. because You can you... tie it all up right now. <laughs> I have a chance. Yes. We'll see. So, um, Tiffany, besides identifying as queer, the characters Pusey on Orange is a New Black... 
Lexa on The 100, and Sarah from Pretty Little Liars have what else in common? A, they were each wrongfully accused of murder. B, their images were included in a, in a homophobic meme that went viral. C, they were shockingly killed off to much controversy. Or D, in a series of tweets, Donald Trump, Trump ranked their levels of femininity and hotness. Oh, dear. Um, either, okay, falsely accused of murder, shockingly killed off with C. I forgot what B was. Um, they were included, their images were in a homophobic meme that went viral. They just all seem so likely again. Uh, I'm going to, I haven't seen the other two shows other than Orange, so I don't know if C is true. Um, I'm going to go with B. It was actually C. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I realize this could be a potential spoiler, but honestly, if you like, if you cared about those shows, you would have seen them. So Mm -hmm. I'm not. Yeah, it's it's late. Yeah. Um, But anyway, yes, they were all all three of the characters who identified as as queer were killed off. And um, the it became sort of this year. The uh, thing that people were very upset about was the fact that there were so many gay characters this year who were killed off on TV shows. And a lot of them were lesbians. Um, And so there's a whole, you know. Bury the gays. Bury bury your gays, bury the gays, which is sort of the trope of gay characters getting killed off. And often, like, when they're at their happiest points, which is what happened with Pusey, where it's like she was having, like, a budding relationship. Right. And, yeah. (sighs) Pusey. R.I.P. So, yes, that, it's okay, Tiffany. I spent too much time watching classic movies this year. <laughs> didn't catch up on yeah, my TV. You, <laughs> she you could have thrown a couple of those in there. <laughs> you have, you have, you have an excuse. It's okay. Um, all right. So, Alex. Yes. Which old guard Hollywood publication thought it would be a good idea to have a roundtable of white male animators and Seth Rogen for some reason get together to talk about inclusion? The in Hollywood animation? Reporter. Wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. <Sorry. laughs> I realized this just this did just happen. It like, did just happen, recently. so it's very fresh in my brain. <laughs> yeah. Well, Alex now has two, and that was, that was the last question for you. So okay. <laughs> well, we'll turn it turn it here. I'm gonna so I'm gonna switch the questions around because I feel like Tiffany, I've given you some really difficult ones. <laughs> I don't think that last one was difficult eh? if I had just seen more TV. It's okay. So I'm going to play this clip. So take a listen, Antonia. Okay. Oh, I think I know what this is. I'm not positive. Okay. So, here's the question. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's just the question. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, it kind of is. But, so, this show was accused of racially insensitive portrayals in its first season. That clip comes from the episode in which it addresses those, those critiques head on. What is happening in that moment? A. Empire's Cookie Lion is throwing an event to woo Japanese investors and has enlisted a singer to perform a traditional lullaby. B. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt's Titus is performing a one-man show about his past life as a Japanese geisha. 
C, the one Asian contestant on Unreal's reality show within a show, Everlasting, is dancing to impress football star and suitor Darius. Or D, on Fuller House, a Japanese singer performs at their Japanese-themed surprise party for dancing. It was Empire, and the second one was Kimmy Schmidt. Yes, Titus is performing a one-man show about his past life as a Japanese geisha. I'm going to say Kimmy Schmidt. You are correct. Essentially... I don't know. Have you watched Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Yeah, that's the only one I saw out of all of those examples <laughs> you said. But but I still, I don't think I would have guessed it because it didn't sound like, the, I know that scene, but it didn't sound like it to me. So I still wouldn't have guessed it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I tried. I'm so, on a roll here. <laughs> so yeah, essentially Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Um, and Tina Fey has had this problem for a while of like, kind of I love her like she's one of my sheroes heroines whatever uh, but she does have a track record for not being the most like racially sensitive writer and the first season of Kimmy Schmidt there was a lot of critique especially about the character of Dong on the show Kimmy's boyfriend and so she decided in this episode to like face it head on and in case you don't know Tina Fey co-created Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and also has played a couple of different roles on the show Okay, so this final question for Tiffany. Who said the following about Trump? Quote, he's like, if you come up to my mic, I'm taking you out. Coming from the hip hop community, I understand his language. A, Kanye West. B, a black Trump supporter interviewed on The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore. C, the rapper Paperboy on an episode of Atlanta. Or D, Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne? Nope. (laughs) I am horrible at this. Well, what's great about that question was that any one of them could have said that. Yeah, that's that's the same. That's the first thing I thought. Like, it could have been anybody. Like, we obviously know Kanye and Trump. Yeah. Wayne's been real bad at talking about everything. A lot of things. Yeah. Um, actually, it was B, a black Trump supporter interviewed uh, on The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore. That's Lamar. hard. Yeah, you're like, I'll give her the really easy question. Well, yeah, there's no way I would have done well, that one. I tried. I, it's, it's, I, I guess I need to know my audience better. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, uh, the dearly departed Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore. Um, he did a segment earlier this year where he interviewed a bunch of black Trump supporters, including one who is both black and a Muslim. And that was a thing, a real thing that a black Trump supporter said. And I was like, what? Anyway. Well, thank you for playing. (laughs) (laughs) The most depressing quiz game. But we laughed so much, so I think it was kind of fun. It was really fun. And congratulations to all of you. We're all winners. (laughs) Yay. Yay. And losers. (laughs) With Kizik Can's free shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. So now we are on to our segment where we're going to talk about our three favorite moments in representation. So we had the the very depressing Delta quiz, and now we're moving on to the more happier things. And I don't know about you guys, but I did have a hard, like, as depressing as this year was, I did have a hard time narrowing it down to just three. There were a lot of, there was a lot of really great stuff. Totally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's just dive into it. We'll, we'll each go around. Tiffany, let's kick it off. 
I tried to pick three that, well, one of them is very obvious, but I tried to pick the uh, the two that I'm about to say are ones that weren't the most talked about this year, just because I thought those would already be brought up. So the first one I wanted to talk about was the movie Embrace of the Serpent by Ciro Guerra, um, Colombian filmmaker. And it's it's about this Amazonian shaman, and, and, and he's the last survivor of his kind, and over the course of 40 years, these two white scientists, uh, one first and then the other, travel into the jungles to um, to find this sacred healing plant. And it's using this time, this place, this beautiful visual storytelling to really tell a story about eradication of a culture. And it does it in such a powerful way. I'm just astounded by it every time I see it, and it's so beautiful. And there are a few lines in the movie where um, they're just speaking in their native language, and and they often are warning each other of the white man coming in, and and, and well, they're trying to monetize these plants or, or you know just make money off of them, and and these are plants that are just sacred to them, and and it, they respect the earth, and they know that they are. It's not going to last forever, and there are certain things to to take into account and respect. And it's just this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story, and I just felt completely um, just astounded by it, and I, I just thought it was amazing. So that's one. And I've, I've never heard of that. Oh, embrace it. Yeah. I totally missed that. Yeah. Cool. And then the hiring and the presence of Elaine Walterworth as um, editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue is was a huge moment for me and what just what teen vogue has been doing in general their one tweet from uh, last week or a few weeks ago just has like 31,000 retweets by now and it was an article by lauren duca but the tweet copy was donald trump is gaslighting america and deliberately undermining the very foundation of our freedom and they just tweeted the article with that as the copy and so they're just unabashedly being like, this is crazy and we need to not hold back. And every cover that I've seen of Teen Vogue has had like Yara Shahidi on the cover yeah. or like Simone Biles or um, Zoe Kravitz. And and it's just been incredible by what, what they're doing. Even now, if you go to their Twitter, uh, their background is just, uh, I think, Yara Shahidi and I, I forgot who else is on there. And they're just like fist up. And so they're not playing games. And I'm totally here for everything Teen Vogue is doing. Yes. I have no reason to read Teen Vogue. But... <laughs> It does make but me... But maybe s- you do. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Vogue, like regular Vogue and all these other magazines are still not anywhere near where they should be. Yeah. yeah. And like real journalism. Like right. the coverage of of Standing Rock mm-hmm. has been excellent. And I think in a mm. year where we keep talking about f- like false information and fake news and all those things, like investigation and good reporting is incredibly valuable. It is. It is. Yes. And, and they've got a great page of videos where it's just like all of that it's all just very activist forward and and it's just amazing so antonia what are your two choices before we get to the big one so it's been a great year in music videos mm-hmm. and i <laughs> love music videos and two of my favorites are uh, princess nokia's tomboy which is amazing there's actually a skate crew in new york called las brujas like the witches and they're this like cool that latinx chicano skate group the video is princess nokia like hanging out with them in just like new york and it's really cute and very fun that girl is a tomboy that girl is a tomboy that girl is 
There's also a really cute music video called uh, Bomba Estéreo Soy Yo. And it features this little girl, Sarai Gonzalez, like in her little overalls and like kind of being like a little badass. Um, <laughs> and I just really enjoyed both of them. And they're like these two girls in New York killing it. And so music videos. Uh, and then <laughs> I just feel like yes. they're in such an art form. And like since totally. MTV is no longer a thing, they don't really. I, I mean, I guess the MTV Music Video Awards is yeah. obviously still somewhat relevant. But like it's mostly all about the performances, though. Yeah. Right. Like, like every award show. But. Or like what Kanye is going to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like the actual artistry of the music, music videos doesn't get a lot of uh, attention. And a lot of music videos are beautiful. And then my second thing is right now at MoMA, they're having a retrospective of all of Almodovar's movies. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm actually doing a story about it for Latino USA where me and my colleague Fernanda Echavarri are watching all of them. So this has been wow. a very intense month. That's a very intense. Yeah, oh, the- my God. <laughs> You're not watching them like back to back. Sort of. Uh, and the premise is whether we will become more or less neurotic. <laughs> <laughs> more on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but watching these movies has been actually super exhilarating. And Almodovar does something which I love, which is that he's, he does this kind of punk rock thing where he shows like what you're sort of most afraid of. Like all of his movies like deal with some dark stuff. Like there's always like rape and incest and violence and all this stuff, but yet like transforms it into this way where like it's treated with like hilarity and like, and like there's a consistent theme of female friendship being the like ultimate act of resistance and like through humor and laughter and love you can get through like the scariest things and so i've found that to be incredibly empowering and also i just think that almodovar is a hilarious amazing genius and i interviewed him and it was a beautiful experience that's amazing i'm in love with him shout out to (laughs) moma alex yes so i i went with the ones that i i you know i guess partially because of work i am that stick out in my memory uh one of them would have been the episode uh, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha on People vs. O.J. Ah, yes. That focused on one. Sarah Paulson. And I just, I just, I loved what the show did with each of the characters, specifically with Johnny Cochran and, uh, and Marsha. Like, I think that, uh, like, Marsha Clark really went through the ringer in a way during the actual trial that I think people forgot. And I sort of liked that the show recovered her dignity in a way that felt honest and real. And Sarah Paulson's just amazing Killer. in it. <sighs> yes. Um, and so that episode in particular was a standout for me and probably one of my favorite episodes of TV this year. And then the other one is just a very specific moment uh, in Moonlight when um, – Adult. I, I don't know if everyone's seen it already. Yes, yeah. three okay, times. Yes. <laughs> so, three times. No, <laughs> no spoilers, right? Um, in the third act, the moment when uh, Kevin recognizes Chiron, hmm. and the the sort of audio goes out of sync with the visual, and it's that moment where you where time stops and you realize that someone is seeing you for the first time as who you are. It's beautiful. I'm getting sad. (laughs) No, that's such a great But that moment, like, just watching that for the first time, I just, like, broke down because it was so beautiful. 
I'm so glad you did Moonlight because I was like, I've talked about it so much on this show. <laughs> like, I want to talk about it all the time. I know, so I, do I. I and that's why I was like, it. I can't put it because I, I talk about this movie every day of my yeah. life. But it would be wrong <laughs> if I didn't. No, you know. you're right. No, no, I agree. It's like an honorable mention for mm-hmm. me. I, I was just like, I. everyone knows how much I love this movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so for my two, and sort of like you, I tried to choose, obviously, like I tried to choose um, not Moonlight <laughs> and and things that I haven't necessarily um, written about at, on Slate. Um, so my first one is the San Junipero episode of Black Mirror, mm. which um, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to talk about it too much because right. it's, it's, definitely, right. it's definitely a show, an episode where like you need to just watch it as it unfolds. But suffice it to say that it has a really, really lovely relationship between two women, um, Yorkie, who is played by Mackenzie Davis, and Kelly, who is played by Gugu Mbatha-Ra. And their chemistry is just beautiful and lovely and understated. And unlike what we were talking about earlier with like the barrier gaze thing, I think the way it ends can be interpreted in different ways. Um, But I do think that compared to what we're used to with Black Mirror, this is, like, the most hopeful. Like, mm-hmm. it's actually, like, unabashedly hopeful mm-hmm. and and happy. And so to see that relationship with two actresses who are just so stunning in every way was just... And I, at the end of it, I was watching it with my boyfriend, and he, he never cries. And, he, <laughs> and he, he's going to... Nah, I don't know how I'll feel about me. <laughs> but he definitely had a tear and he was like, Oh my god, I have a tear. I was like, Oh <laughs> it like, it's such a it's such a great episode. Anyway, that's my first one. And then the second one is from Transparent. And actually when you were on and we talked about Transparent, mm-hmm. I hadn't seen this episode yet. I was only mm-hmm. like halfway through, and I think you talked about this episode. And it was the moment with the actress Trace Lissette who plays Shay mm. and the road trip that she takes with Josh. Mm-hmm. And Josh, like almost every other character on this show, is incredibly insufferable and terrible, like terrible person. Mm-hmm. And they he goes on a road trip to, you know, to essentially find himself in the best way he can possible. And on this road trip, he takes her along and they've had this chemistry going and they're like, they stop at like a skate park and they're hanging out and flirting. And it's, she can tell that it's going to lead to sex. And so she tells him, you know, just so you know, I'm HIV positive. Mm -hmm. And there's a moment earlier in the episode where she talks about what it's like to be a sex worker as a trans person and that's very like this is i'm glad it's there because it's that understanding of like whether you've had surgery or not and what that means was very important but i think the moment when she realizes that he's not interested and really in a relationship Mm -hmm. with her and the way she's like you don't get to use me to find yourself right to me that moment was just so powerful and it was great to see a trans character portrayed in that way as like a full human being and also to have josh be portrayed as the dirtbag that he is right. and to push back against his narrative exactly so let's move on to sort of like our and we don't want to say that they're like our favorite because obviously there are so many to choose from but yep. like the ones that like really really stuck with us uh tiffany we'll start with you sure um I'm not freestyling, I'm too old. Uh, I wrote you a sonnet instead. Yes! My wife's the reason anything gets done. She nudges me towards promise by degrees. She is a perfect symphony of one, 
Our son is her most beautiful reprise. We chase the melodies that seem to find us until they're finished songs and start to play. When senseless acts of tragedy remind us that nothing here is promised. Not one day. The show is proof that history remembers. We live through times when hate and fear seem stronger. We rise and fall and light from dying embers. Remembrances that hope and love last longer. And love is 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 love cannot be killed or swept aside. I sing Vanessa's symphony. Eliza tells her story. Now fill the world with music, love, and pride. Thank you so much for this. Okay, so now it's my turn to get emotional. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was... Uh... Um, so I cannot really take... I don't have enough time to say what Lin-Manuel Miranda has contributed to society um, since before Hamilton, since before In the Heights. Uh, he takes such care and is a master of his craft, but makes sure deliberately to, with everything he creates, to bring other people along for the ride. Everyone knows that it's not just him, and everything that he does is just with class and grace and elegance and excellence, and that's including acceptance speeches. He's done this many times before uh, when he won a bunch of Tonys when In the Heights premiered, but the night of the Tonys this past year, uh, the shooting at Pulse nightclub in Orlando was the night before. And so everyone woke up to that news. Obviously, Broadway and the LGBT community are more than intertwined. And it was, I, I, I went to the Tonys. I was in that room, the room where it happened. <laughs> where it happened. Uh, and and so I, I watched him give this speech and I can't tell you how powerful that was how impactful it was it was already going to be a powerful night because we knew that hamilton was taking everything home or damn near every award home and we knew that we were seeing this was just the culmination of something that had already been this force this year what everyone was talking about this person who changed the face of broadway because he uh, deliberately inserted people of color into these roles, uh, playing presidents, playing our founding fathers. And then just from that action alone, not explicitly saying it, but showing you instead that people of color belong in history. And so just that night, that moment was the culmination of pure excellence, in my opinion, of everything that he's done. And it just shows you that he cares so much and love is the most powerful thing and everything he does, he does with love. And i Probably I've felt represented by him many, 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 many times, but I don't think I've ever felt prouder than his acceptance speech uh, that first because he he'd had a few acceptance speeches that <laughs> night. But that first one where he definitely needed to address the very real pain that was being felt, by the way, most of the Orlando victims were Latino um, and and the very uh, it's just. I, it was taken with there was so much hate that was produced uh, that was that caused that. But he came with so much love that I couldn't have been prouder of anyone. <laughs> it was just the most proud uh, pride I've ever felt for anyone I didn't exactly know. <laughs> uh, and and so that was um, 
a huge, huge, huge moment. Love that pick. There's nothing else to say, Antonia. Yeah. We're moving on to maybe something a little bit funnier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't tell you black lives don't matter. That's not what they say. That's not the argument. They hit you with that slick shit. Like, well, all lives matter. Really? Semantics? <laughs> that would be like if your wife came up to you and was like, do you love me? And you were like, baby, I love everybody. What are you talking about? <laughs> God's creatures. What are you saying? You're no different. Why do black people always have to get over shit so quickly? Thanks, black lady. So, I recently watched Michael Che's Netflix special. It's pretty good. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I was blown away. And that, I mean, that clip to me, it's just like the best explanation for why all lives matter is a really bad argument Mm -hmm. (laughs) against black lives matter like it doesn't actually make any sense yeah um but in general that whole special there were a lot of moments that were he tried a really interesting line uh for instance he talked about how he's been called homophobic and he's been called transphobic and he's like He's like, why aren't those, like, teachable moments? Like, why don't you explain it to me? And he even gave an example of how he had a trans friend who was like, you can't use the word tranny. And he was like, why? It's just a word. And, he, and the trans friend was like, what if I just called you blackie? And he was like, oh, understood now. But I think it's, it's, it was good because that special, I thought, did something. My mom has a saying, which is some years are years to answer questions and other years are to ask them. So my mom likes to quote Zora Neale Hurston. And I do think that we are entering 2017 in a situation which, at least as a journalist, I feel at a loss about how to deal with a lot of issues. I have a, I feel at a loss of like, what sorts of questions am I supposed to be asking? Mm. And so I think that having a black man talk about his experience, feeling like he's kind of lost about what he can and can't say is sort of refreshing because I think that we're we're kind of starting at ground zero in a lot of ways. And how are we going to address these topics? Because clearly there has been something that hasn't been very constructive. Um, and so I was just like blown away by like the depth of the special. I wasn't expecting it at all. Be- I mean, he's OK on Saturday Night Live, but mm-hmm. like. Well, he's definitely more of a like a writer, mm-hmm. I think, than he is. Although I have seen him perform stand up, and his stand up is very, very good. He's better as a stand up uh, than behind then, the desk, right? Yeah, and he also is behind. He couldn't say his words for really. Remember, he was I having know. a hard time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's it's it's too confining. He's not loose enough, right? But he did also write the great Black Jeopardy script sketch. He yes. wrote that one. Oh, he co-wrote it. Okay. Um, and yeah, he's 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 a smart writer. It doesn't always show on SNL, but yeah. Alex. Yeah. Uh, so I just picked a dirty one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've got depressing, but hopeful, <laughs> funny, also sort of depressing, and then dirty. Let's go. Yeah. Let's get dirty. Yeah. You know, it's hot hooking up with a white dude. I mean, nothing makes me feel more powerful than when a white dude eats my pussy. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just feel like I'm absorbing all of that privilege all of that entitlement, you know, just right there through the money hole and just, uh, and then also he's so vulnerable down there. I'm like, I 
could just crush your head at any moment right now. I could just kill you right now. Crush those brains. Colonize the colonizer, you know? So um, I think you all probably know what that is from. Yes. Uh, that was Ali Wong's Netflix special, Baby Cobra. Interesting stand up making a yeah, yeah. A real showing yeah well I mean you know stand ups a I think stand ups a great medium because it's so personal and you you take it from that place and then you move outward and I think that that really allows you to have a very you can have a really powerful critique of like what's going on but like still be really funny um, I just love this stand up special I think it's hilarious from the beginning to the end I also think she does very smart things in it too uh, especially regarding feminism. Because she, like, claims that she's not a feminist or hates feminism, but she sort of flips it at the very end in a way that I think is really interesting, uh, which we don't have to talk about if it's spoilery or whatever. But, um, I, yeah, I just – I love that there's this super pregnant, very <laughs> horny, dirty – gross Asian American woman saying whatever the fuck she wants and I, I it's you know it's and she's someone who's clearly thought about a lot of things um, but isn't afraid to just go ovaries out oh yeah you know <laughs> so many just, ovaries yeah <laughs> and I just love it um, I, there's there was something very joyful about that whole special that uh, I really loved and I that was so that was the one I picked because I also I you know just listening to it I was like this Money is gonna kill yeah. <laughs> crush your head right there. <laughs> there's so many great jokes in there yeah and also just like it's nice to have like Asian people also talking to other Asian people mm-hmm. like it it feels like she isn't just talking to non Asians or white people in her stand up yeah. which I appreciate. At the end of the day, I just laugh so hard. <laughs> yes. So. Ah, such good choices. <laughs> I'm so excited to know what you chose. I know. Yes. So, I'll, yeah, mine is from, mine is also funny in some ways. Uh, it, let's just play it. Craig, 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 Craig. You don't think I know how crazy my husband is. This whole black people as a hobby shit. Slam poetry, Martin reruns. That nigga told my 95-year-old grandmother that she was cooking her collard greens wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, girl, you married him. Yeah, I did. Can't eat if you don't open your mouth. Get this big-ass house and he gets the black wife he always wanted. (laughs) That's marriage. I like Craig. But I love my money. I'm so glad you picked Atlanta. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was it was it was rough uh, trying to decide which which moment to pick because there were so many. Mm-hmm. I, I probably could have chosen the entire Black American Network <laughs> episode. Mm-hmm. Did you see that meme of Kanye turning into? The transracial guy? No, oh no, but it's I can. So funny because Kanye now like dyed his hair that crazy blonde. Yes, he's right, now right, right. yeah. Which of like the symbolism of that is outrageous. Right, uh. but like <laughs> it was. I was dying. It was so. Oh my god, funny. I haven't seen that, but I have to. Yeah, now yes. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna Google that as soon as we're done. <laughs> so yeah, I chose Atlanta because 
I think it might have been, there was so much good TV. I hate to say something was the best, but I I feel like, so this is from the episode, this clip is from the episode Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. And if you're not familiar with Juneteenth, and I don't even know how I was familiar with it because I'm not from the South and it's like a very Southern black thing. I'm from Connecticut. Uh, But I do remember my parents going to Juneteenth celebration. So I guess they had them in Connecticut too. But anyway, Juneteenth is to mark June 19th, which is when in in Galveston, Texas, which is when Union soldiers landed there with the news that the war had ended, the Civil War had ended. This happened like two years after (laughs) the Emancipation Proclamation. There's various reasons for why they didn't find out or why it wasn't announced until years later. But anyway, it's become a it's gone from that to a very bougie black celebration, especially in the South. And that is what this episode perfectly encapsulates and there's so many gems in this episode there's the cocktail list which includes 40 acres and a moscow mule (laughs) (laughs) and (laughs) emancipation eggnog like (laughs) it's just so great and so van zazie beats and Ern donald glover they go to this juneteenth celebration at monique's house and monique is played by cassandra freeman and monique is her like former boss and she monique is like the epitome of the gold digger i guess is lack of a better term but like she went for the money she went for the white guy because he had the money and that scene in particular we didn't play it but at the end monique she quotes she quotes Craig quoting someone else and then Van is like that's from for colored girls <laughs> it's, like, it's like perfect like beat at the end so yeah Atlanta if you haven't caught up with it you need to catch up with it and it's also so catch good. up with these stand-up specials that both um, Alex and Antonio mentioned because damn there was a lot of good stuff this yeah, year there yeah there really was Atlanta really was the best show yeah. on TV I think yeah, yeah. I, I think so it was too. beautiful yeah and just like transcendent and like also the even like their relationship like the end of that episode it like stuck with me yeah the finale yeah because I yeah. just feel like like it was such a relatable situation where you're like this is relationship is not gonna work out but like I know why I'm attracted to you you know like yeah. all of those things yeah I don't know been there ah. Darius at the gun range was one of the moments <sighs> oh, that I considered doing yeah with the dog right because yeah. <laughs> I thought it was just so sharp yeah it was perfect. The but, commentary was brilliant. Yeah. So now we'll move on to our final segment, which is our one hope or prediction for 2017. Um, I don't know about you guys, but, and Alex and I were talking about this, yeah. but I feel like 2017 is going to be like even darker than it is, than 2016 was. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, gripping myself for that but let's see what you all think will be like the one one thing you either hope will happen or one thing you think you predict will happen Antonia let's start with you first well I think I read today that executives I think at ABC have already talked about how they're going to change their direction Mm -hmm. with what they want and if we're talking specifically about representation I think that we are going to see um, a move away from from showing people of color. Uh, I think that that's just going to be a reality. Yeah. Um, and then other than that, like I'm asking questions, like I said earlier, <laughs> like I think that a lot is really unclear at this point, but I do think that executives have already made it pretty clear that they're going to be 
scaling back these efforts. And I'm I'm curious about it because I feel like they have been really profitable. That's the part to me that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I think they're just scared away from that whole well, let's let's just say it. They want to appeal to the white working class. Like that's the, that's been the narrative of like right. what about the white working class? Right. Right. Yeah, that is it. That's a that's a good prediction. So I actually was going to say something similar. But uh, we also, when we were talking earlier, uh, before the taping started, this is maybe just a little lighter, but I think that Viola Davis is going to get her EGOT. That was going to be God well, damn it, that was so, going to be mine. <laughs> so she just needs to read a book on tape. And so hopefully she gets that going next year because mm-hmm. she, uh, fingers crossed, uh, will win the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for Fences. And then she will be three-fourths of the way to an EGOT, which everyone knows is an Emmy, a Grammy, and Oscar, and a Tony. She already has the Emmy and the Tony in the bag. So yeah, just got to read a book. Yes. Come on, Viola, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. That was also going to be my choice, but it's okay. I, I have another one. Well, we're, e- we're each, you know, yeah. I mean, thinking yeah. in similar ways. Yeah. Yeah. We all read the same article. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany, what about you? So my prediction or hope is way more generalized. It's it's not as specific. I do think that every a, a lot of people, especially artists, are pissed <laughs> and and. All of these frustrations, all of these emotions, they're going to be channeled into their work. And I just do, I am hopeful that in 2017, we'll start to see while the larger corporations might take a turn for the worse, I really think we're still going to see indie houses or um, the corporations that do care start to um, flourish and support filmmakers, artists of all kinds creating, I think there's going to be outstanding work that's going to come from all of the happenings. I I really, we need art in times like this really, really badly. And I think artists need to create, like they literally feel like they have to. So for mine, and I'll just rattle off a few names. Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Mm. Nyong'o, Chadwick Boseman, Mm -hmm. Forrest Whitaker, what? <laughs> and Ryan Coogler in Black Band. Whew. So I'm not a superhero person at all. I really don't care about most of these movies. I The only reason I saw the first three Spider-Mans when I was in high school was because I had a huge crush on James Franco. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to go watch this movie because he's in it. And I've seen like all the dark like the Dark Knight movies and all that. But most of this zillion superhero movies I haven't seen. I'm going to go see Black Panther because it's fucking Black Panther. And this cast, yep. I and Ryan Coogler behind it, mm-hmm. God, I hope it doesn't, doesn't let me down. Like, I hope it's good. And I hope that, like, with this movie, um, at one point, Ava DuVernay was in talks to, do, to direct. And she was like, you know, I... I don't feel like my vision, and it's true when you're doing a Marvel movie, your vision is not going to be, you're going to have to compromise a lot. And mm-hmm. she's like, I, I don't want to compromise my, my vision. So I'm hoping Ryan Coogler, maybe his vision is more in line with theirs. Right. I, I I kind of, I can see it both ways because Creed in many ways had some superhero elements. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping he didn't have to concede too much. I hope the story makes sense. <laughs> I hope the performances are great. I hope, I can't wait to see Lupita Nyong'o like, 
her face again on screen because <laughs> like most of the 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 last few movies she's done she's been behind like in star wars she was we, like an alien mm-hmm. and in uh what was the um was she in jungle book yeah yes she yeah she was a she was an animal in jungle book so like we haven't seen her face on in a movie in a long time so well there's queen of katwe oh yeah <laughs> I need to sorry, see that. sorry. No, no, I, no. I need to see that movie. Um, <laughs> you, you just, yeah, you called me out, and I need to see that movie. But yes, I'm happy to see her face whenever I can. I follow her on Instagram. Totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm. Ex- I hope Black Panther will be will be good, and yeah, and I hope it does well. I think it will, and yeah. Well, you know that Sylvester Stallone is being considered. <sighs> yes, oh, goodness I saw that. Gracious. Wait, I considered for that. what? <laughs> for the National Council. What is it? What's the exact thing that he's... For the uh, National Endowment Arts. of Arts. Yeah. yeah. For the NEA. And he is friends with Ryan Coogler. <laughs> True. He did, you know, direct him to an Oscar nomination. So one would hope <laughs> that at least that relationship will stay strong. Maybe. I mean, he did forget to thank Ryan Coogler when he won he the did. No, it was bad. It was really bad. <laughs> yes. Well... Well, now he owes him one. Yeah, now he does. <laughs> anyway, Black Panther and... I guess that wraps it up. We're going into 2017 uh, halfway optimistic and halfway pessimistic. Maybe 75, 20. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) But thank you, Tiffany, Antonia, Alex, for communing with me and hashing out all of the 2016 happy and sad moments. It It was a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. And thank you again for this podcast because this is for sure um, a highlight for me as well. Just being able to, because first of all, you're an amazing interviewer. So um, thank you. Hearing all your interviews, I love. But also, when it's something I I already am aware of, I love it. But then when it's something I didn't know existed, I'm like, oh well, I gotta I gotta watch that now. And so thank you so much for this. Thank you. Tickled. Or tickled. What was the name? Tickled. Was that was a great interview. Thanks. <laughs> that was so good. You that give, is a weird movie. <laughs> I want to see. Well, now I feel like I saw it. But you give me and my mom something to talk about. Yeah, you should we see. We listen to your show every week. Oh, that's thank so sweet. You. And can I just say, like, how much joy all four of you are bringing me? Mm-hmm. Oh. And just like, oh. like I'm always obsessed with like not complaining about something and like doing the work. And I feel like all four of you do the work, and so. You know, I'm just really honored to like be producing this show and to get to sit with you all. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for coming on and being on the show. And you'll be back in 2017. Represent is produced by the lovely and awesome Verilyn Williams. The executive producer of Slate Podcast is Steve Lichtai. Andy Bowers is chief content officer of Panoply. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Slate Represent. Music is performed by the sweet San Francisco funk soul band Midtown Social. Until next time. <laughs>